0: Friends, during this season of Lent, we've been exploring together a series of metaphors from the Gospel of John that Jesus uses to talk about who he is and what he's doing. So far, we've heard that he is the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection, and the life and the way, truth, and life. This morning, we come to the final metaphor. This metaphor is in the middle of Jesus' long speech, which lasts from chapter 14 all the way through chapter 17. In John's Gospel, this is the last night of Jesus' life. He has already entered Jerusalem, although we don't tell that story until next week. He has washed his disciples' feet and eaten with them for the last time. Judas has deserted them, and Jesus has predicted that Peter will deny him. Jesus has reassured them that even after all of this turmoil, they will continue to carry out God's plan to restore creation and reconcile all people to God. In fact, these four chapters, this long speech, is mostly reassurance and encouragement for the disciples. Jesus is giving them everything he possibly can before he's crucified, even though they don't know yet exactly what's coming. Part of that encouragement is this morning's metaphor, which is followed by the only commandment in the whole Gospel of John. So let us listen now in the reading of Scripture for the Word and the wisdom of God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine (coughs) grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed or pruned by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that my joy may be in you. because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. These are the words of God for all people. Thanks be to God. So my friends and my mentors are always reminding me that there is a difference between doing and being. And they're always saying that to me because I need the reminder. I happen to be especially good at doing. Is anyone else with me? Any other type A folks? Anyone else who loves nothing more than to finish a project with visible results? You get bored easily if there isn't anything to do? You wanna sit down at the end of the day and know that you did something? Anyone else who might secretly suspect that just maybe their value in the world is based on what they can produce in a day? I'm good at doing. I struggle with being, with resting, with feeling like I'm worthy of existing at all, of worthy of being loved if I didn't accomplish anything tangible today. And this week, as I was preparing for worship, I was reading a commentary who was written by someone who seems to feel the same way that I do. Because through the whole article about this section of scripture, the author kept referring to the works of love. The works of love that are required of Jesus' followers. The disciples are commissioned to go and do the works of love. And as much as I love to do things, as I continued to read about the works of love, I felt the Holy Spirit make it clear to me that this commentary's author was getting just a little bit ahead of herself. The word that is used most often in this pericope, this little section of scripture, is not the word do. It's not the word go. It's not the word bear fruit. It's not even the word love. The word that is used most often in this pericope is Abide. Abide. Remain. Stay. Wait. Endure. Not depart, not leave. Perhaps we could even say not do. Abide. That is God's invitation to us. Not do. Just be. Notice that most of the work that's being done in this section of scripture is being done by the vine grower, the gardener. The gardener is tending to the true vine, which is Jesus. The gardener is pruning the branches. So let's think for a minute about this gardening metaphor. As I was working on this, I was thinking about Mark and his roses, so you can feel free to correct me if I get off course here in my gardening metaphors. Any plant that is designed to produce something specific produces much better with some tending, whether it's roses or an apple tree or a grapevine like the example we have here. Everything in our universe devolves towards chaos, and left on their own, plants are gonna grow wild. The gardener amends the soil. The gardener pulls the weeds. The gardener tends the plants. Branches that are producing well already can be strategically cut so that they produce even more. And branches that aren't producing are cut off so they don't suck the life out of the plant without giving any results. Unless something has gone wrong, bearing fruit or flowers is the natural result of being connected to the main force of life in the plant. Branches that are producing fruit aren't thinking hard about producing fruit. They're not trying to do the works of fruiting. It's natural. They bear fruit simply because they are connected to the vine. So if we can remember that bearing fruit happens naturally to the branches which are connected to the vine, then we can avoid the trap of getting obsessed with what's happening with the other branches. Some of us were raised in families or traditions where there was a lot of pressure to bear fruit. So we are naturally a little anxious about the parts of the story that describe the branches that cut off and burned. The way that we keep from being anxious about this is to keep things in the right order. If we are worried about whether we are producing enough fruit to keep from being cut off, then we have missed the first principle about abiding in Jesus and his love. The question is not, am I producing enough fruit? The question is, am I abiding? The question is not, am I doing enough? But am I being because any work that we do that glorifies God stems stems from the love that we have received. It will happen naturally. Now that doesn't mean that it won't take any thought or it won't take any effort, but it does mean that this process of fruitfulness does not start with our trying really hard to be fruitful. This image of some branches getting burned is not God's attempt to shame us or scare us into good behavior. And if you don't believe me, go back and look at verse 11. Jesus says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That word complete in Greek is where we get our word plethora. Jesus has said these things about abiding and fruitfulness so that we may have a plethora of joy. And that is how I know it is not about shame or fear. Because God knows how we are wired. And God knows that shame and fear never bring us joy and they never help us grow. They might modify our behavior for a little while, but they don't produce in us True joy. Also, can I just tell you as a pastor that if you even care about whether you're fruitful enough, you're already on the way. Anybody who might be living in such an unfruitful way as to be cut off and burned, in my pastoral experience, those people don't care about whether they're being fruitful So basically, if you're worried about getting cut off and burned, whatever that means, it's probably not going to happen to you. Because God doesn't try to motivate us with shame and fear. God knows that we only grow when we feel safe and loved. That's why the only command... That Jesus gives us in this entire gospel, in this whole book, the only command is to love one another as he has loved us. That's the only one, which is hardly even a command. Because when we are connected to the true vine, all of the love in the universe is flowing into us and out through us to the rest of the world naturally. The fruit that we bear is the fruit of love, the fruit of the Spirit, which we do as a natural result of abiding in the vine. Abide. Start there. Don't start by trying. Don't start by doing. Start by being. Just being with Jesus. Being connected to the vine. Being in a relationship of trust with the gardener. Because every good thing grows from there. I really love that we wound up with this vine imagery on a day that we're celebrating communion, which is our ancient ritual that includes fruits of the vine. Communion is always a tangible reminder of God's great love for us, demonstrated in the life and death of Christ. And this morning, we have the added reminder of the fruit that comes from Jesus as the true vine. Friends, as we approach this table for the last time in this Lenten season, I want to remind you that although this moment feels somber sometimes, it is also joyful so that our joy may be complete. Because when our ancestors in the faith testified about this table, they said that this is the joyful feast of the people of God. We're people of all ages, races, and sexes, people in every type of body, come from the north, south, east, and west and gather around Christ's table.